BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast, August 19th, one of Star Trek's biggest icons, or celebrity fans, or both, will be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by Star Trek Lower Decks actor Fred Tatashore. Our galaxy alone is so incredibly vast that the most conservative mathematical odds still add up to millions of planets almost identical to our own, capable of life, even intelligence, and strange new civilizations. Alien beings that will range from the fiercely primitive to the incredibly exotic intelligence that will far surpass humankind. And once again, sitting in for Rachel is our lovely revolving guest host, Claire Kramer. Thank you so much, Trent. And we want to welcome Joey Clift back to Quoting Gene Roddenberry today. Of course, you know Joey. He's a very funny comedian and also a TV writer currently writing on Spirit Rangers on Netflix. Hi, Joey. Uh, hey, Claire. Hey, Trent. Uh, excited to be back. I'm, uh, that, that was a really great video from Fred. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this quote. It, it is a mouthful of a quote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, he reads it so expertly. Like he makes it seem so easy when he just reads that. I know. I And I kind of like just want to go hang out with him. He seems like such a nice yeah. guy. But that all aside, the basic uh, meat of the quote is saying we are not alone. Mm -hmm. The human species, Earth, there are other inhabited planets and other uh, species of lower and greater intellect. So what do you guys think? True? Not true? Is Gene right? Is he wrong? I think he's completely right. I, just because we don't know it yet and just because we haven't been visited by them, I 100% believe that there is intelligent life out there. Uh, yeah, I think that this quote is so spot on. Um, you know, I definitely think that it would be insane to think that with how infinite our universe is that we were alone. You know, there's there's got to be some intelligent life somewhere out there. I mean, we're even finding, you know, like it's not, you know, intelligent as far as we can tell, but we, we're definitely finding, you know, life on Mars, even in our, you know, search on Mars. Like, uh, I think that it's like only a matter of time before we find something out there that, you know, is alien and intelligent and cool, you know? So let's just say both you guys are right and Gene's right for sake of argument. Why haven't they reached out? If there's another species out there that is more intelligent or, you know, what did Gene say in here? Uh, incredibly exotic intellect, which is a very cool way of putting it and far surpasses our own best forward thinkers like Einstein and, you know, those special guys down here on earth. Why haven't these guys reached out to us and like made a partnership or like, why can't we be on the same team? Why do we have to not know about each other? So I'm going to go with two answers. One, 
maybe they're just still far out there and they haven't found us yet. You know, because if you consider if if the universe is so vast and all that stuff's out there, we could be just as far from them. So maybe we just don't even register on their radar yet because we are such a tiny little speck out there. Two, Star Trek talks about this all the time, about the prime directive. How many times has the Starship Enterprise found a less evolved civilization and they keep their distance because they don't want to interfere because by announcing their presence for uh, people or a a species that is not ready to deal with the concept of uh, space travel or creatures looking completely different from them, they don't want to pollute their civilization's growth. So maybe we are the lesser evolved life forms so far. And maybe by the 23rd century, we'll, we'll have matured enough for the Vulcans, for example, to uh, come say hi. <laughs> well, I definitely think we're probably like the lesser evolved. You know, you have to separate technology and social values and impact, I guess, mm-hmm. which is a conversation we often have on this show. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely... I feel like the the idea of, you know, kind of like the universe of Star Trek, the Federation is something that's really interesting to me, just like, you know, speaking like, frankly, like as a as an indigenous person, I'm Native American enrolled Cowlitz is like it's it's definitely based on, you know, the the core of discovery, Lewis and Clark exploring our country and stuff like that, which, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, is very problematic for native people for a lot of reasons. But something that I appreciate mm-hmm. that Gene Br- Roddenberry thought about in creating the Star Trek universe is this idea of the prime directive of like. Yep. Of like the the Federation isn't colonizing planets. They're, you know, exploring for the means of, you know, increasing their own, you know, their own intelligence, and their own knowledge of the universe. So, you know, like I really I think that that, you know, especially in the 60s and even now is like a very forward thinking and really cool way to look at like interplanetary exploration and like exploration as a whole in that like the idea of like, you know, it's like uh, you don't have to harm the indigenous people while exploring mm-hmm. things. Well, it's exploration versus interference. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know? totally, totally. And, and that's the same thing when you look at time travel and the sort of rules that have been written around time travel in cinema um, and television is that you can travel and you can do things, but you can't F things up. You know what I mean? You can't mm-hmm. mess with the circumstances that will change the outcome you know, unless you're the Umbrella Academy and then it's a totally yeah. different story. But, <laughs> but what's, it's also just like, oh, these are these are like cultures. These are like fully fleshed out cultures that the Federation's exploring and checking out. And it's like, oh, you don't want to like interfere with their culture. It's just like not a cool thing to do, you know? Like, I think I feel like it's a very like empathetic look at exploration and space travel. Absolutely. And look at the way that the Star Trek writers portray colonizers. Like the Borg are the ultimate asshole colonizers, right? They don't ask questions. They don't care. They just want to assimilate, consume, absorb your civilization, strip away all the stuff that they find that's interesting, turn you into a drone and also they live in a Rubik's cube. That's weird. What's their problem? (laughs) Yeah. So when I read this quote and I started thinking about this, I actually looked up what was the probability, you know, because as Gene says, it's, you know, the mathematical odds are in the millions or Mm -hmm. whatever for millions of planets. So this guy at Columbia University actually came up with a formula and it's called the Bayesian inference Mm -hmm. formula. And he has determined definitively that there is three to two odds in favor of intelligent life out there. And it's not based on, you know, for me, when I determine it, (laughs) it's based on 
Well, there must be, because how could we be the only people, which right. is an emotional reaction. True. But he has actually come up with a scientific formula. And each and every time he pops these numbers in, at least since 2020, when this study came out, it proves mathematically that Gene was correct and that we are all correct in thinking there is other life forms. So mm -hmm. I just found that interesting that like, because the reason I love calculus and algebra and math so much is like, you kind of can't argue with it. You know, you can argue with a lot of things, emotions, literature, you know, music, you, but math is very straightforward. There's mm -hmm. a formula. And if you follow that formula, you will get a certain result. Yep. And so that's, what's interesting to me is 50 years later, the scientist is like, yep, it's true. Mathematically, it is true. But I, I, I got to give props to to Gene in that, like, he definitely had the mindset of intelligent life might not look like us. It mm -hmm. might not act like us. It might not be a humanoid. You know, you get like, you know, such a such a great diversity of appearance of the aliens in Star Trek. But then you also get like the Decranian cloud creature, which is just like a gaseous cloud that can talk. And it's like, I feel like that that really, you know, like speaking of, you know, progress and pushing people toward progress is like just because something doesn't look like you, it doesn't mean that it's not intelligent, you know? Right. Yeah. This conversation reminds me of the episode of The Next Generation. I believe it's a young Wesley Crusher had a science project of nanites that got out of his uh, lab and into <laughs> the computer system. And they evolved in the computer system. And over the course of the episode, they evolved into a sentient life form that that exceeded human intelligence and grew beyond the confines of the, the mere Starship Enterprise. And it's such a great story about that life, what we think is life, isn't necessarily, you know, what we think it is. Like, it can be something artificial intelligence. And didn't, didn't that episode end with them, like, loading the nanobots onto a probe and just being like, get off our ship? <laughs> I mean, it was because, like, it was yeah, like, that was not so following the prime directive with the nanobots. I think, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. I think they were released out and then they, you know, they took off on their own, I believe. I believe the PC term is rehomed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, wasn't it Those like... Those nanobots were rehomed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, it's like, uh, like if you were to, uh, to take a cat and adopt it to a new family and that new family... <laughs> In this case, the cat is nanobots and the new family is space. <laughs> space. Yeah. Um, so before we wrap this episode, what do you guys think? Like if I said Trent, Joey, pick one artificial extraterrestrial life thing out there. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What do you guys think based on the stories that have come out, you know, in our lifetimes? What's your own perspective of what that is or what that looks like? You know, I think we're we kind of because we see ourselves in the characters that we create. Um, I think that we think it's going to be humanoid. I think that we expect that, you know, even if it's a green alien with antenna, it will still have eyes where the eyes are and the mouth and sort of thing. But it's it's very possible that it could be something that we haven't even fathomed. And then when you see like the like uh, District 9, I believe that the aliens look like bugs. They call them roaches or something. They're just really yeah, unattractive and prawns. That's right. Yeah. And they're really unattractive, scary looking creatures. And immediately we hate that. You know, we, we reject them. We don't want because that's not what we envisioned alien life to look like. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I would hope I feel like if it was more humanoid, we would be more <laughs> welcoming and and more accepting because just, you know, we don't even accept one another here on this planet. And it, just because of, you know, different skin color. So um, 
I feel like whatever whatever alien life exists in the universe, Elon Musk is one of them. Because <laughs> what human would name their kid after a bunch of emojis? <laughs> you know, I mean, I will go back to the quote that he had uh, about his first expedition to Mars. And he was like, hey, y'all might not make it back, but it will be worth it. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it would be. I'm not sure if I would trust that. <laughs> I find him really interesting because mm-hmm. he's so outside the box with his thinking. And that's what we need. I'm not saying you can like him or not like him, like his politics, not like his politics. Whatever you say about Elon Musk, he's a unique thinker, mm-hmm. you know, and that to me is an attractive feature that Fortunately, in this digital age, you know, we're able to hear different voices and I want to exemplify the voices of unique thinkers for us to all grow and learn. They're exciting and they make us think, see things in a different light and may yes. give us a new perspective. There is something cool about having people in the world that are just so focused on like pushing us forward as a species mm-hmm. in a way that like Gene definitely was in terms of, uh, you know, like uh, science fiction terms and then like somebody like Elon Musk is like seeing that as a challenge mm. of just like, oh, okay, yeah, I can make a uh, Hyperloops a thing. Sure, why not, you know? Also, Elon Musk, he's a big fan of Wario if his SNL thing is an indication. So I gotta, I gotta love anybody who likes <laughs> Wario from the Mario universe. Yeah. <laughs> Can't disagree. Um, well, thank you guys all for tuning in today. This was another great episode of Quoting Jane Roddenberry, and it was my pleasure to sit in. Um, if you want to see any of the videos from any of these episodes, you can go on the Roddenberry social media. Roddenberry Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. They're pretty cool. So definitely check them out. And we will be back for another episode tomorrow. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, Joey. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is super fun. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, post us, DM us, whatever. We are at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.